Syracuse still without a number one wide receiver. Derek McDonald played really well in his first game as a starter, and there have been some shakeups in the depth chart, most importantly, on the defensive line. We'll talk about it all on Locked On Syracuse. It's right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tuesday morning, Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine, we're with you. We're with you right now. We're with you always. Okay. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. If you want to tweet at us, if you want to email us, here are those things. Email Syracuse 44 at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts, opinions, questions about Syracuse football right now, basketball in the future, anything you want to say, put it there or tweet at us or follow us please do uh, at locked on syracuse at lo underscore syracuse on twitter owen today we've got some uh talking points about syracuse football paramount is the wide receiver room we came into this year uh with a depth chart that first of all didn't even include anthony queely who was a huge part of what they were trying to do last year uh, and Courtney Jackson wasn't the number one. He was at the end of last year. Damian Alford's the number one. There were a lot of questions about that wide receiver room coming into the season. Two games in, I think everybody's satisfied. Yet the question still remains, are they ever going to define a one? Somebody asked Dino Babers about that in his press conference leading up to the Purdue game uh, this week. He basically said, if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. My question is, do you think they will need to do that to find a number one wide receiver if they will make a bowl game this season? I don't think they need to, but I think it will happen naturally. I think this is something that you don't need to force. Like You don't need to force making Courtney Jackson your number one or Devon Cooper your number one. I think you just need to continue doing what you're doing, spreading the ball out, finding open receivers, mixing things up, uh, going through full progressions, and you're going to have a guy naturally sort of emerge as a number one, I would assume. I think if you try to force someone into that role, um, it might not help you as much as if someone sort of naturally rises to that occasion. I think it could happen from, I'm going to say probably my thoughts would be Courtney Jackson or Devon Cooper right now, but I think they're there might be another case to be made at some point. I think Aronde Gadsden, we talked about this a little bit last uh, last episode. I don't really see him as becoming that number one just because of sort of where his role is right now and, and sort of becoming that he's going to be open at maybe a later look in a progression or he's not necessarily going to be running as many deep routes. And I think that's okay. I think Gadsden's going to get his fill, and I would be pretty pretty sure Gadsden stays the number two just because of the way that role is, there's maybe a way that he can become the number one if those routes become a little bit deeper uh, and the usage ups a little bit even more. But I think he is sort of in my mind, I see him as being that number two guy 
for the remainder of this season at least, just because of sort of how that role seems to have been in the past with Robert and I uh, and how it seems like it has looked so far through two games for Syracuse. I don't know who it is right now, and I think you're not dead in the water if it becomes no one when all is said and done and you continue to go by committee um, and you continue to just do what you can. I always think back to uh, to the Heat game or the Heat team when they had the big three and it's, you know, who takes the shot and it's Ray, 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 and then Ray says the open man. I'm taking Ray Allen's perspective here and just find the open man, pass them the ball, whether you hit 11 receivers through two games or 10 receivers like you did against UConn, uh, or you have four guys that are catching more passes, as long as you're passing to open men and gaining positive yards, I do not care what happens with this wide receiver group. So I think I agree that it doesn't need to happen, but the only way that it does happen is through the only guy you didn't name, which was Damian Alford. Uh, if Alford just turns into an animal and he's unguardable because he's 6'6 and he's got great footwork at some point, then there will be a wide receiver one. I think there is no other way that it happens because Alford probably, for my money, has the most talent in that room right now. I would take him to be that guy if there was that guy. Keep in mind that since Geno Babers took over, there has always been a defined wide receiver one. Amba Anitawo yeah. in 16, Steve Ishmael in 17, in 18, it was Jamal Custis, Tristan Jackson in 19, 2020, it was Taj Zier, 2021, kind of Courtney, Courtney when Jackson? Taj yeah. left, but it was Courtney after that. And then now there is none. Damian Alford has the chance to make it his team if he wants to go out there and just start catching a touchdown or two every single week, which could happen. Like we can't rule that out. He's been fantastic through two weeks, but I don't think it needs to happen especially if their offense runs pretty smoothly through not having that be the case, which has absolutely been the way it's, it's, it's looked through two games. So like Dino basically said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't want to see Syracuse do something that could potentially, potentially hurt them uh, because obviously through two games right now, we're a little bit short-sighted, but you know, success is nice. And, and this isn't something Syracuse has had in four years since 2018. They haven't been two and zero to start a year. So I am in agreement with Babers on uh, leave it how it is. If, it, if it's leading to success right now. Right. I, I am very excited to just sit back and let whatever happens with this wide receiver group happen. Uh, I, I see a world where there is a clear cut to find number one uh, and whoever that might be, you know, good to them, good on them for for emerging and really showing out, I would assume. Uh, you're going to show out in the next week or two against Purdue, against Virginia, in very, very big games, as we'll detail later in this week. Um, if you can show out in those two games, then maybe you've established yourself as a number one. But I really do not want to see anything forced with this group. I, I enjoy sort of watching what happens when you've got so many options and so many different threats. And when you've got that clear cut number one, then that's a defensive focus on top of Sean Tucker, on top of Garrett Schrader. Uh, so maybe, you know, defining a number one actually opens things up for the rest of the wide receiver group too. So who even knows what happens once this number one is sort of figured out if that happens. I, I, I see this group right now with a lot of positives 
And I will come out and admit that walking into this season, I did not expect to to speak of this wide receiver group with a ton of positives going into week three. Uh, <laughs> I like what I've seen from a lot of them. I started to see uh, some splashes, some flashes of, uh, of, all right, this is actually a wide receiver play. They made a move. They got open. They got up. They caught a ball. Um, and not just the you know quick pass and here's a nine-yard gain. Not that that doesn't win you games because it does. But when it comes to, you know, finding who this best wide receiver is, who can be the best wide receiver, that's sort of what I'm starting to look into. Uh, I think you bring up a good point with the height of Damian Alford. Um, I don't think the usage is there just yet to Not become right the number now, one. But, but, but he's it got definitely, the talent to do it if yeah, anybody. I think it definitely has the, uh, the possibility and the capabilities. Uh, that usage rate is definitely going to have to bump up in terms of targets and I mean, he's caught one pass through two games, albeit a 47-yard touchdown. But uh, I would like to see a little bit more in terms of, you know, what can he do when he doesn't just break out completely? Not that, you know, I'm going to yeah, complain if he does there. consistently totally. just break out. Uh, so that's something that I'm going to look for uh, in terms of him. But I, I really do think that number one in terms of this group can come from three, maybe four different spots. And I am okay with watching, sitting back and letting that happen whenever and if it ever happens. So that does it for our thoughts on the wide receiver room. After this ad, uh, we'll talk about Derek McDonald's first game as a starter in that linebacking core. But first, let's talk about upside, okay? From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why you should start using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, you'll be earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. All righty. Back here on Lockdown Syracuse, Matt Bonaparte and Valentine with you on this wonderful Tuesday. All right, let's talk Derek McDonald. This guy has had quite the journey at Syracuse showed up wearing number 81 in a tight end role. He didn't yeah. see it. He didn't like it. Six, four. He's like, I want to move on to bigger and potentially better things. Uh, the red shirt freshman now wearing number 15 is playing linebacker. And when Stefan Thompson goes down in week one with a probable ACL tear, you got to step up. And Derek McDonald did just that Derek McDonald in his first game as a Syracuse starting linebacker is tied for fourth on the team in terms of PFF grade with Michael Jones. So through PFF size pro football focus, he played just as well as Michael Jones. I think everybody in Syracuse land will take that. And, and their buddy yeah. Marlowe 
that was even better. He had an 83 and a half, and a half point grade. So they were all fantastic. Yeah. I think when you look at this linebacking group uh, with the question mark of what Derek McDonald is, and when all said and done in their first game together, they are three of the top five PFF grades on this football fee on this football team. Uh, I, I think that says everything that, that you need to hear about Derek McDonald. That's awesome. Uh, he's come out. He's had a half tackle for loss in both of his games so far. Uh, when he came in against Louisville, he had one or a half. And when in this last game, he has one as well. Uh, he, he's doing the job efficiently. He's doing it well. Uh, and he's doing a job that even though, you know, you especially uh, had mentioned him a number of times in preseason camp, he wasn't necessarily a guy that we expected to be uh, a major role type player for this team, just because of, you know, how excited we were about the linebacking core, but you've brought it up time and time again. Uh, anyone playing in that group, the way Marlowe has been playing, uh, the way Michael Jones is as a leader and will basically pick up anyone near him uh, and elevate the way they are playing the game of football. Uh, Derek McDonald is the perfect fit for this group right now doing the job. I am excited and very interested to see what happens against not UConn uh, in yes, terms totally. of his performance, but I, I don't have anything negative to say about him right now. He has all of my confidence right now. Uh, I have seen what I want to see from him. I would love to continue seeing what I'm seeing from him, but I think there is a lot more that we can say about Derek McDonald a week from today. But right now uh, I am incredibly pleased and, and really, really uh, excited to see if he can rise to this next challenge, right? Week one, I would say it's week two, uh, but his week one of the challenge, you know, he nailed, he's on to level two now. Uh, and in level two, things get a little bit tougher. A lot uh, tougher there's yeah. once again, more footage on you, more film on you. Uh, and you're playing a better offense and a better overall team. Uh, level two is definitely level two. We're moving from maybe we're moving from medium to hard on our Guitar Hero scale because uh, I have been playing Guitar Hero for the last 24 hours for one whatever reason that is. <laughs> um, McDonald's uh, grade, I think, speaks to how well the defense has played overall in its first two games. Hasn't allowed more than 14 points, and they allowed more points to UConn than they did Louisville. So how about that? Uh, Syracuse's defense ranked in terms of opponents points per game in the country is 19th with just 10 and a half points per game. Of course, just two games. So an incredibly small sample size, but they're doing better than about, I don't know, uh, 118 teams. So, or yeah. hundred and like two, I don't know. I don't do math. Uh, fantastic, fantastic start to the year for the defense. And if McDonald can slot in and play that well, I think that just speaks to how well, uh, the defense is how, how well the how close knit they are. Uh, yeah. Michael, I wasn't just blowing smoke. Michael, I really think he just brings everybody up who he plays around and and playing around him. Just I mean, for McDonald, that must be huge. You must learn a lot, uh, and it's probably easier to to make plays when you have such a I don't know sage defender right next to you. So Michael lifting up Derek for sure. Uh, and Syracuse's defense benefiting from it. I I was worried a little bit about this linebacking group after week one. Right now, that worry is out the door. 
Um, and I, I, I really didn't expect it to be as worry-free, even though it is UConn as I am right now, um, given McDonald shifting in there. But that has been as fluid a transition as I really have seen in a little bit. I, I mean, it was so smooth. He comes in, he does every job that you can ask of him. Uh, and, you know, you go back to the story, right? You start as a tight end, you switch sides, you figure this out. And now you're, you know, out here just killing it basically uh, in a role that you didn't show up to Syracuse necessarily to play. Uh, and he comes in and he is playing to the best of, you know, this team, right? You're looking top five in PFF grades and your first start uh as a linebacker, when you weren't expected to maybe have this big role, you were supposed to get, let me get a year under my belt behind this team that, or another year under my belt behind this trio of linebackers that is really, really solid and has played together. Uh, and you know exactly what you're getting. He came in right now as a question mark and that question mark has disappeared right now. Uh, and I'd swap it out with an exclamation point at this point, because that was the game he played uh interception against louisville he comes in he's doing great things his second game uh i i'm amped to see what week three happens or what happens in week three uh he he is just he's rapidly rising my my favorite player list right now uh i will say him glad you're joining and me. <laughs> yeah i it took me a little longer uh but i am with you right now and it, jeremiah wilson is also just my favorite players to watch list. He's also up there, but this is, I, I, I did not, I genuinely didn't anticipate speaking as highly about Derek McDonald and what he's done. Uh, when we, you know, revisited the injuries this time a week ago. Uh, so a nod to him for, for quickly shifting my thoughts because it just goes to show the performance he had last week. Uh, that we are talking about this confidence and this high regard and a top five team PFF grade in week two. Uh, really, really cool to see. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, switch gears a little bit now. We will talk some depth charts. Syracuse did mix up the depth chart a little bit, not a lot of it, uh, but enough to talk about. Uh, the biggest change for my money comes on the defensive line where Steve Linton, a guy who was left off the depth chart entirely week one and week two, makes it and doesn't only make it, but is listed at the number one spot at defensive end. We saw him playing the edge against UConn a little bit, despite being undersized compared to the guys that he's playing next to at 6'5", 219. He beats out Jatius Gear, who's 6'6", 233. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh Gear was the week one starter, but they are listed as or, so it's going to be pretty interchangeable. You will still see both guys on game day, but huge for Steve Linton to break in there, and rightfully so. Game one against Louisville, he was fantastic, oh, yeah. uh, and I was kind of surprised not to see him on the depth chart against UConn, but hey, he breaks in week three. I'm happy to see it. Uh, this is another, I mean, this what a feel-good story episode this is, because this <laughs> is just another one where you're like, you see a guy that you thought, and we sort of assumed going into the season, was just going to be by default listed on one of those, you know, starting defensive line slots uh, on the two deep, if not, you know, clearly being a number two on that list. Uh, and he is not named on the first two depth charts. And he, you know, he's taken that and risen to the occasion and really shown out. And he got 
some significant snaps against Louisville in game one, especially for not being listed on the depth chart. Two tackles for loss in that game with a sack, a forced fumble, and recovers the fumble himself. Like he, he comes out against Louisville and does everything that you want from a guy that you know maybe you you knocked off a pedestal a little bit. Not to say that he was cocky or anything of that manner, but you know he's a guy that I think a lot of us expected one thing from coming into the year. And I know my eyes were open when I saw that first two deep come out. And especially the second one against UConn when, you know, he has an incredible game in week one and he's nowhere to be seen. We sort of talked about the fact, you know, maybe it's because he's sort of that in-between size. They're not going to truly list him and just sort of fill him in when the situation and the timing is right. Uh, What a nod to him to be back on the two deep. And, you know, we're not supposed to read into it, but he is listed above Jatia's gear for whatever that is worth. Uh, I, I know the war is there, well too. but yeah, I, I think just for whatever that's worth, this isn't a knock on Jatia's gear in my mind, as much as it is a hat tip to what Steve Linton has done and to have, you know, a fourth plus the fact that, you know, Kevon Darton's also listed on that list uh, with an or with Terry Lockett. Uh, you're starting to develop a, a defensive line rotation that I think can be beneficial to this team to have options uh, moving forward, especially as you start to see tougher competition. Totally. Uh, other changes to the depth chart. Jason Simmons Jr. is now the co-number one at boundary safety with Jihad Carter. Uh, I don't think at least I had seen a lot of, uh, he hadn't stood out to me a lot, uh, Jason Simmons, but he is now on there. So good to see him next to Jihad Carter, who we have seen plenty of in game. Um, and then also Eric Coley is now the number two field safety in place of Braylon Oliver, who was not at the UConn game, did not travel with the team. We don't know why he didn't travel with the team, uh, but usually not a hugely good thing. Um, so those are two differences that are in the secondary. And then the other difference that we have is that Wes Ho, who was listed as well as Joe Cruz on the offensive line backups are both gone anthony red and mark petrie take their places ho took about i don't know 30 ish snaps at that um i was gonna say football fullback tight end spot that elmore usually plays so maybe they're trying that out him and max mang were kind of the guys on that so maybe it'll be a mixture of max mang and wes ho to kind of i mean you can't replace chris elmore but to attempt to play his role because it is a hugely important one, and I think Syracuse practiced a ton with it in preseason, and they don't want to just drop it, so they have to figure out how they're going to use it. So Wes Ho and Max Mang will probably be your guys there uh, blocking for Sean Tucker. Yeah, it's kind of like the the money ball situation where you know, you're trying to replace Giambi and Damon and all of that, not Damon, um, but you're trying to replace uh, with a committee, right? You don't need one guy that's a true equivalent. You just need to be able to to pick that slack up and be able to, to figure out another way to approach that situation. I think you hit it spot on when you talk about the amount of effort and timing they put into uh, you know, creating this yeah, offense. Yeah, it's just the game the, plan. Yeah. yeah, under the idea that you're going to have Elmore popping in at tight end, popping in at fullback. So to have to abandon the – fullback entirely uh, and move forward, especially early on in a brand new offense where everyone is still learning and continuing to build and piece things together. 
it is important that you have a way to sort of hold on to what you developed with Elmore healthy. Uh, and as you said, 30 ish snaps um, sort of filling in that role. Uh, Ho sort of brings in the opportunity to, to continue doing that. Um, and, and that's something that, that I think we can definitely expect uh, against Purdue and, and something that I think I'm curious to see sort of how that rotation uh, with Mang and Ho sort of works, if they are going to rotate, even though they're two pretty different roles in terms of how they'd be used. Um, I mean, shout out to Max Mang for having a tight end catch in a true tight end role last week. I, I can't, you know, escape another episode without sharing that. But I, I think it'll be sort of, I'm, I am just, I'm genuinely curious just sort of how the tight end role continues to adapt and continues to expand uh, under Robert and I's new system and, and just sort of see what happens with that. Because, you know, when we got our first two deep and we looked at Aranda Gadsden at tight end, wasn't entirely sure what that role was going to be. And then Max Mang, right? You're, you're recovering from the fact that a tight end was pretty much untouched last season. And Mang has started to come in and you see them, they target him in, uh, on the first drive against Louisville. Uh, he's got a catch against uh, UConn. So that's starting to increase in terms of the attempts to pass to him, right? You don't want to develop a system where every time Max Mang's on the field, you know, he's just going to block. So to have totally, totally. Uh, a couple of targets at least keeps the the question marks surrounding what the play is going to be in terms of his role. And then when you bring Wes Ho in, it's it's another sort of facet that continues to add to how this tight end and then in Ho's stance, uh, a fullback-y type role uh, is going to continue to adapt and be utilized in this new offense. Yep, uh, I agree. I think that was a good point about, you know, you got to keep it fresh and, and Syracuse can't really have a uh, – a kind of situation where a certain guy on the field, you know exactly what he's going to do. And, and I think Anai uh, and Beck have both done a good job of creating offense that doesn't exactly streamline that. All right. Well, uh, that's all we have for today. Tomorrow we will be back to talk a little bit of Purdue, see what kind of team they are, really preview Purdue for you. So stick around for that on your Wednesday episode. But for now, Thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. Go get more on the ACC by making Lockdown ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Lockdown take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. Make Lockdown ACC your second listen. That is Lockdown ACC. Owen and I will see you tomorrow.